We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to a Sunday night edition of Radio Free Mavericks. Why are we talking? Because I don't have anything to do. And I was bored. So, if you guys want to come up on stage, request it. I have no idea if the request functionality is working. If it's not, go ahead and post into the chat, and I'll try to bring you up here and we'll talk. Um, kind of a quiet 40, I don't know, 48 to 72 hours after last week's just continual news. Um, it's been kind of nice. There was a, a rather interesting story, which I think has sort of slipped through the cracks. Um, been continuing to do like follow-ups uh, on. Um, oh gosh, my dog is going to bark at me. I can just tell. Hey, you hear him, guys? Um, been continuing to do follow-ups from <clears throat> the story that him and uh, Tim Cato did. Sam Amick was. Um, basically on the Rich Eisen show. And when he was on the Rich Eisen show, he told a story, which I hadn't really heard yet, where he heavily implies that Rick Carlisle was given an ultimatum of sorts about uh, whether he should start Bobon or not. And that seems to have been a thing which led to the discussions coming from Carlisle's end and resigning. And that seems like uh, something that I, I just am not sure how that's kind of gone under the radar. Because starting Bobon was one of those things we were all like, huh? And I don't know if it worked. I mean, it worked for like five minutes, but the numbers on Bobon when he was on the floor were all like real bad. Not for Bobon, but like for the team. Um, yeah, so requests are still not working. So post in the chat if you'd like to come up on stage. We'll talk for a little bit. Um not in, and it's good to know that the notifications uh, D 
didn't come to your phone this time, which I'm, I'm going to try to figure out, you know, what's going on there. So I saw somebody re- requested because I got the notification, but I didn't see who it was. So just post in the chat and I will uh, try to figure it out or send me a tweet. Um, hi, Michael. How are you? Hey, what's going on, man? Just kind of hanging out on a Sunday night. My wife's out of town and I didn't have anything. Yeah. That's basically where I'm at, having nothing to do. Uh, it's uh, it's what? weird. We What do you think's going to happen this week? Uh, hopefully a productive search for a new GM. Hopefully a what? A productive search for a new GM. Yeah, I really hope they hire somebody by midweek to end of week because when I see these coaches um when I see these coaches that are are getting discussed it it makes me a little bit nervous because <clears throat> I, I'm pretty sure and, or, if, and I if I invite you up on stage guys just go ahead and mute yourself um thank you um one of the things Aaron Brad yep, yep, working on. hit that mute button All right. Uh, one of the things that worries me about these, uh, like coaches kind of being hired is, well, I think, you know, like the consensus seems to be Jamal Mosley at this point. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Um, because, it, you know, one thing that, that I think isn't really understood as well is like you want a coach and a GM to be in a, a partnership where, like there's feedback back and forth between the two of them, which is, I think Donnie and, and Rick worked pretty well together for years and years. I, I, that's why the, the picks for this year's draft felt so weird because they weren't even remotely Rick style players uh, in any front. And it makes sense in the after effect to know that, that Mr. Volgaris played a part in those draft picks. And so whatever happens with the GM search, like they, they need to be on the same page because if they're going to be going out and finding players, um, it's just, it's just very tricky to figure out what's, what's going to be, be happening next. I just hope that they move kind of quickly because I would like, if you look at the NBA calendar, we have like five weeks until free agency and I would like a little bit of a break. You know, the Mavs don't have a draft pick. And so the only thing to really talk about at that point is like free agent type stuff. And so like, I, I like, this is very like selfish of me, but I just would like some, some kind of like a collective bit of non news so that we can do like fun stuff. I've, I've had some things planned out and written down and mapped out for a few weeks now that like I would like to do in green room and things like that, just to, you know, kind of liven up the conversation. So we're not constantly so worried about free agency and what's next. But I mean, I get that's why people really like, like off season content. Um, Michael, what else you got for us? I think the one piece of news that I would want to hear is Bob being gone. That guy, he gives me Howie Roseman vibes totally. Like, if you look at how Howie Roseman's been as the GM of the Eagles, he's alienated so many regimes, whether it had been the Andy Reid regime, the Chip Kelly regime, or the Doug Peterson regime. And that type type of negative negativity and toxicity has to go really it, 
So if I were to guess, I got in a little bit of trouble. I, I think I've, I've, I've inadvertently made some sort of waves by speculating lately. And I don't mean to do that. But if I were to guess what's happened, because Cuban sort of brought him in outside of the chain of command, that creates this like new peg in the flowchart of like how operations work. And just from talking to people who have interacted with, with Mr. Volgaris before, I don't know if any of this stuff was intentional. I really, really, really don't. It doesn't sound like a power play in so much as it was constant muddiness, which, as we all know, who have been Mavs fans for at least 10 years, constant muddiness followed by explanations for why it's just fine has been a hallmark of the Cuban ownership. I mean, I, I still like Mark Cuban, don't get me wrong, but it's just this sort of uh, you know consistent confusion is, is a thing that has existed within these sort of minor bumps. You know, the Darren Williams, he was like when he was at like filming Shark Tank, like that was a thing that, you know, was sloppy. Um, some of the way that the sexual harassment stuff wasn't handled was very sloppy. Um, and, and so it just, it doesn't surprise me that something like this could happen um, where it was just, okay, we're going to bring in this new guy. He's going to be in the office. He's going to help us out. And then over the course of two years, that helping out becomes either a, a low-key power grab, not on purpose, but just a person sort of taking advantage of a situation. And, and then, you know, when you have the boss's ear, that that's just sort of what happens. So I don't necessarily think they fire him. I think they let him run out the clock on his contract. I have heard three different dates ranges for when it's over it's either end of this month or end of october so like between now and when the season starts so but i, I bet if he does move on we will not get official confirmation because the first time we heard that he was actually with the team and the mavericks acknowledged it like zach Lowe and adrian Wojnarowski did a story in i think it was october of 2018 about how he had joined the team the mavericks never acknowledged that I mean, he's on the payroll but they just never talked about it Cuban's denial of the issues in Tim Cato's story last Monday, and can you believe it, it was only six days ago, um, was the first time that that I that I I can really recall and look into this that they acknowledged it. So we'll see. Well, Michael, do you got anything else for us before I bring uh, Brad or George, uh, Brad up on stage here? Nah, I think that's all I got. Thanks for hanging out, man. I love the Mavrello picture. It's very it's very good. <laughs> Yes, sir. Happy Father's Day. You too. Enjoy the start of your week. Hopefully Monday will be a little less chaotic than last Monday. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Brad, what do you got for us? Uh, hey, Kirk. Um, I mean, I'm hoping Tuesday or Wednesday at least brings us a GM. Because if not, I feel like, you know, we're just going to be kind of behind for this, like, kind of shortened off season that we have, even though we're not involved in the draft and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I guess I'm still sticking with the fact that like, you, know, I'd love to know what's going on with Bob and seeing if he's going to stick around or not. And I think that would be like a general thing that coaches that are wanting to, be with us and G you know, potential GMs that want to be with us would want to know. 
And if we end up with uh, Michael Finley and, like, Mosley, like, decision, like, I mean, it's not bad, but is it anything different than, like, what we've had is, like, my biggest worry. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the uncertainty feels – it's just so – that's kind of why I named the room this, like, like through the rabbit hole, because I just – since I was – since I've been covering the Mavs, you know, I've, I've been a Mavs fan for it's like 23 years. Um, mm-hmm. But since I've been covering the Mavs, really starting in 2013, there's been nothing like this. Um, and so it's like kind of waiting in and, you know, just just like the kind of impatience that I feel moment to moment is, is starting to like drive me a little bit nuts. Because when you look at kind of all the different moves like the public discussions and, and the, the kind of the information that's gone to, to um, let's say like Brad Townsend, Tim McMahon, um, and who is it? Uh, Mark Stein, where it's like, they're clearly working. And, you know, I, I, if Donnie was actually like, like, like walked out or they resigned, whatever it was Monday, Carlisle did his thing. Was that Wednesday? Like these, these mm-hmm. things had to have been, it's um, insane. Yeah. Well, yeah. but it's also, I I kind of like the the rapidity of the fact that the band aid was just ripped off. Um, now what's well, sure, I mean, next? Yeah. I mean, why would Carlisle stay? Like he's known Donnie forever. There's so many good opportunities for him. Yeah. And the writings on the wall when Donnie's mutually agreed to leave, <laughs> you know. And, you know, especially with Cato's stuff and, like, you know, things came out to where, hey, you know, you and Luca aren't necessarily on, like, the best of circumstances maybe all the time. Uh, Like, why not take the lead and just go and find another great opportunity for, you know, a good coach to get into, which I'm sure he'll do great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's know. just I, yeah. I still waffle on the Carlisle thing because I really like watching some of this playoff stuff. And if anybody's watched any of the playoffs, like to me, it's been a hallmark in lack of adjustments. Tyrone Liu has gone down o two twice. Like mm-hmm. that, he keeps winning game sevens is nice, but maybe don't go down o two. <laughs> um, yeah, how's you know? And, nice and there's just yeah, <laughs> and like if you watch if you watch uh, Milwaukee. I mm-hmm. mean, granted, watching Kevin Durant is like something special. Oh so it's like I'm trying Lord. to, yeah. right? Like watch <laughs> that dude is just playing, he's playing on God mode. Wow! It, 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 it's like watching Luca in game, you know, in game four against the Clippers last year. Only it's like for yes. four straight games. Um, <laughs> but watching like Bud not know what, like he's sitting there playing Drew Holiday on him. Like Drew Holiday's like six three. Like, like throw, di- I don't know. I just, I don't like some of like, doc, like, like doc rivers, I think stinks. <laughs> Look, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, well, this has been my, my thought for the, the playoffs now is does doc Rivers stay? Like if they lose, like, does he stay? Like why? And you know, they brought him in, but then it's just more or less the same. So like, I feel like he's made some errors and like right. losing to the Hawks. And that was not expected from them. Right. So, you know, I just feel like even his job is like kind of like on, on the ropes. Like there's just, 
Uh, look, look, I love Rick Carlisle as a coach. I think he's very, very good. Uh, definitely top, easy top five coach in the NBA. Now, I think the the thing with Carlisle is whether or not like he, uh, you know his players can receive his message. I think, and like Dirk is like such a glorious soul that like even this like Cuban bringing Dirk in to like be a you know whatever confidant and his like search for new things. I'm like Dirk, he's just like is so loving. I think that he's just so forgiving for everything for you. Like that he's like he's not the guy I want in there to like make those decisions. Like Carlisle's an asshole, and Dirk, I think, is the few personalities that can deal with it for being as good of player as he was. Well, and I think that's the kind of uh, optimist outlook on him getting brought in on this discussion, because for anybody that heard the Bill Simmons episode with Dirk like three weeks ago, like Dirk sounded like a guy who's happy to be not working. Mm-hmm. And and so for him to get brought in, he either cares enough or is bored because the only things I think that he really brings in the short term, having been a guy that's been on vacation is he brings the ability to tell both Luka Doncic and Mark Cuban to shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's that's that literally is all it is. It's a bridge. He is the only bridge they have left. Like this is like when they got rid of Berea for uh what's his name from the Magic that I can't even remember. And there's like a afterthought of saying, "Oh, what do we do with this last roster spot?" Do we give it to Beret and just pay him his like whatever four million, or do we cast him out to Puerto Rico? And like, uh, they well, should judging by the stuff that we heard from like McMahon and from Windhorst and the kind of way Luca was talking to Carlisle, JJ maybe should have been there. Yeah, because well, that sort of absolutely. shit shouldn't have happened. Like, like I, I heard a discussion on Bill Simmons podcast about whether like Luca is a, a diva. And the answer is like, absolutely. Oh, for sure. He is. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's not, it's not necessarily a criticism. It's just like, this guy is hyper. He's passionate. He's competitive and he needs someone to anchor him. And- he is an elite talent at an extremely young age that has, you know, basically flourished in the fact that he's realized now three years into the NBA that says, oh, I'm better than almost everyone. And and you're right. Like, you need an anchoring source to that, someone to bring you back to say, yes, yes, yes. However, like, maybe listen to X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, man. Well, um, before we move on, because I know Jordan had some thoughts, do we have have anything else before we get on out Uh, here? Yeah, no, I got way off topic, so I'm good. No, no, this is great. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have anything I wanted to talk about. Um, and again, uh, thanks for joining, Brad. I appreciate you. Um, remember, if you're requesting in the chat, I'm not. If you're requesting in the chat, that's good. I see like the the icon for speaker request, but then I go and it's not there. So I need you guys to like let me know. You know, send it a couple of times in the chat if you need to. I'm trying to like deal with both. Um, so Jordan, how are you? Welcome up. I'm doing good. Uh, so as far as the GM thing, I think that we are 
probably about to hit the point of where if we're we're taking too long to make the decision. Um, right. Because even though we don't even though we don't have a draft pick, doesn't mean that we can't be like active trying to get into the second round or anything like that. Like I, I do a draft podcast, so I'm pretty into the draft. Um, and this is a deep draft, and even those who aren't. Um, being like, you know, even like as a lot of the undrafted free agents who have worked out great for the Mavs in the past, uh, Dorian and Maxi were both undrafted. Like, mm-hmm. so we need to probably be working people out. And it seems like we're not doing that. There's no rumors about the Mavs working out any prospects or anything. It's like, we've just put the whole off season on hold. Um, you can't do that for the NBA. So I'm kind of at the point where, as long as Bob is getting fired and not returning, I think we just hire Finley now and just get it over with. Um, Interesting. Because Interesting. Fin- so you would rather fin- you would rather move than wait. Okay. I I think I would uh, because it's such a short off season, and I feel like we're already starting behind anyway. I also think Finley is not as bad of a candidate as some people have. You know, talk about. We just I mean, don't know. We just don't know about GMs. Like coaching, right? You can kind of make assumptions, but GMs, it becomes like, who do you surround yourself with? Because I felt just, just to, to my opinion on this, is I felt that Donnie and the front office team had no creativity when it came to contracts, trades, anything like that. Like just a whole bunch of like very linear, straightforward moves. And you know, I don't like you know. Unless Finney has people around, like, like unless Michael Finley has people around him that can, you know, offer these sorts of unique type things like the, the Sixers do and that like the Kings who got a bunch of guys in declining contracts, like there's ways to do these things. And the Mavericks just don't do any of them. They're just like, oh, sign on the dotted line and we will give you whatever money you have. Oh, and a trade kicker? Sure. Why not? There's just none of that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's something that does bother me. Um but even some of like our good moves uh, from the reporting that is out there, uh, it seems like Finley was involved with that. Uh, for instance, Brunson and uh, even uh, being able to trick people into thinking that we were taking Frank Nolinka instead of Dennis Smith. Like those were mm-hmm. supposedly Finley things. So uh, that kind of stuff makes me feel like he's done, you know, a little bit that, you know, I, I don't think it's, he's going to be a disaster of a GM. He's been trained for the past eight years to do this. So to me, it's kind of hard to say, you know, oh, well, let's just uh, ignore the guy that's been in training for eight years to take over after Donnie just because of some bad PR that he wasn't even involved with. So that kind of right. is another thing that's a little weird. Um, I mean, I, but I, I do think f- they need to do it by the middle to end of this week at the latest. Yeah, and if if we're going to move on, uh, I think we need to let Finley move on. Because, I mean, he turned down – he's from Chicago, isn't he? And he turned down the Bulls job so because he wanted to stay here. And so I just think it's unfair to keep stringing him along if we're not going to give him the job. So those well, are I my think, main I things. Think, oh, I, I, like the, I like the take. I think there's something to it. Um, I'm just – I. I just don't, I don't really feel any sort of way other than I would like some sort of clarity at this point. Yes. I, I, I would feel better either direction if I knew that Bob was gone. 
<laughs> like, yep. this is kind of where I'm at. Uh, I feel yep. like he's, we, we need to know that he's gone and we need to know that, uh, they're, they're going a direction. Cause I even, mm-hmm. I even sent Mark Cuban an email and asked like, are we like, is somebody doing draft prep or working out people? Like, like, what are we doing? Cause right. it seems like we're just silent. Um, yeah. so he didn't respond just so you guys know. So, mm. eh. uh, what are you going to do? Right. Well, thank well it's you, 1 15 in the morning, so I think I'm probably going to let other people yeah. talk, and I'll listen later on the podcast. Right. So, Thanks for hanging out, See you guys. Hmm? No problem. Okay. All right. I'm going to bring up Aaron next because he requested earlier, and then the audio was acting goofy. So, Aaron, how you doing? Hey, what's up, man? Sorry, my Apple's having problems as well. Right. No, okay, this thing is glitchy, which we yes. should be used to by now, but... I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but, like, in the number of people available in, like, the various, like, areas, the NBA sat between twenty and 30,000 for the last three months of the season. People who have joined NBA-based groups in the last two weeks is up to 120,000. So they're just going to have to work through some of these kinks. Anyways, what you got for us tonight? All right. Well, uh, I had this thought this afternoon that just came to me, and, you know, it's kind of blasphemous in a way, but. You know, it's pretty easy to kind of think the Dirk hiring is a PR stunt, as you kind of touched on earlier. But I fear, first of all, let me say, I think we need an experienced GM just because the stakes are so high with Luca right now and all the stuff that's going on. Like, I don't want to let – I love Finn Dog, but I just don't think, you know, we you can know. risk him going in there right now. Mm-hmm. And so if Cuban brings along Dirk to help us search for the guy – Who's going to argue when they say, well, Dirk wants Finley? Of course Dirk's going to want Finley. That's his boy. You know? Like, it seems like an easy cop-out to me. Right. I mean, can we get Steve Nash back or something at least? If we're <laughs> just going to – if we're going to get the old guys together, like, let's really get – like, like what is uh, – God, what was his name? The uh, the center out of Kansas who played with Paul Pierce that was uh, – Rafe? Let's get Rafe LaFrance back in the action. Like, what's, <laughs> what's, Wang, what's Wang Gigi doing? Like, uh, just like all sorts of random – you know, uh, maybe uh, Nick Van Exel. Well, no, Nick Van Exel is some. Is he with the Mavs or is he somewhere in the league? I love. I think I love he might Van be Exel. with the D League or the G League team coaching. Mm, I love Van Exel. God, I love that guy. Anyways, yeah, yeah I, I'm just, I'm just so ambivalent about it all. I was super fired up like middle of the week just because this was also like new, and now I'm like, man, how do Kings fans do this shit? This sucks. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think there's any uh, possibility that Ujiri is even in play, or is that just a pipe dream? It's a great question. I feel, I feel like this is something that has become a like an internet. Oh, what if the Mavericks did this because Mark Cuban will pay a lot? Thing that just like rattled up to the top because it would be a good idea because he's a great GM. Does that make sense? I don't think there's any actual juice to it. I also don't think, you know, like Adrian Wojnarowski said on TV last week that the Mavericks job is only as appealing as your willingness to deal with Cuban, something like that, or unless Cuban promises to take a step back. I see no actual name GM that we know willing to take, like being willing to take the job if you have to constantly, like, if, if you constantly have to to explain and re-explain your expertise to your boss, like if, if, if you know, I've just I've worked in jobs like this where it's like I'm a database manager and I tell somebody that doesn't understand how database management works why I need to do a thing and if that person second guesses me it pisses me off 
And so it's just like that wouldn't be a situation for somebody like I mean, it's not like a thing, but like like a Pat Riley type. I, I put you like Masai in that class of like guys that knows what they're doing, probably wants to partner with management, but doesn't want to have management say, what about this? Does that make sense? It makes sense, but you don't think there's any chance with, you know, the Lucas stakes being so high that Cuban takes somewhat of a backseat to get a guy like well, that? See, that's, see, that's got, you know, if something like this happens, then we know that the discussion like that took place because you would hope, you would hope. But the thing about billionaires is they don't become a billionaire by not trusting their own gut, you know, gut instinct. Yeah. And I, mean, I just I just don't see it with Cuban. I don't. I agree with you, and that's pretty much all I get. But, you know, I hope that billionaire can realize he might lose the greatness of Luca over this. So I hope he figures it out. Well, we got about three to four years to figure it out. I'm hopeful right now. You know, just like like <clears throat> for anybody who watched Luca in the like warm up game against Croatia, he threw 17 dimes in a 40 minute game. Um, the guy is a basketball god. We just need to like surround him with actual NBA like starter level talent. Like I think Zach Lowe was the one who mainly like said like the Mavericks have a bunch of good pieces, but it's like two, three, and four best guys in the team that need to be upgraded. So we'll see where they go. All right, Aaron, thanks so much. Um, coming up next, who's been waiting? I think it was uh, Mr. GD Moore there. What do you got for us? Hey, Kirk. So you guys kind of touched on it uh, just now, but. Let's say theoretically, Kirk, you are a prospective GM and you are, you know, pretty successful. You've had a good NBA career. And the Dallas Mavericks offer you the job of general manager. Uh, congratulations. What would be a few reasons that you would want to take the job? And what would be a few reasons that you would be hesitant to take the job? Uh, maybe setting Mark Cuban aside since you guys just talked about that. Hmm. I mean, the main reasons to take the job are the opportunity to build an actual championship contender because you have the hard part. Um, it's, it's, you know, the Mavericks books are in a pretty good, you know, they're in a pretty straightforward situation. Once the Mavericks pass on this first uh, draft pick to the Knicks, that opens them up a great deal because then they have the opportunity to trade future picks if that's something they were interested in. There's just a number of carrots um, that that could be out there for a guy willing to, to, you know, for anybody that's sort of creative. I also think, despite my kind of Cuban badgering, I think that the the people who work in these offices, like from what I've been told, is is that depending on which NBA front office you're in, there's really like, and this is it's like baseball has the same problem where it's like a lot of guys who uh, are old school basketball thinkers versus kind of more analytics guys. And from what I've heard, Dallas has a very solid balance. Now that obviously when you hire a new GM, they bring a bunch of their own people. So that, that just sort of needs that, that needs to be out there. But I think the Mavericks have been, you know, they're, they're kind of on the forefront of, of these, these areas. It's just that when it comes to personnel moves, certain things haven't worked the way they wanted them to. I mean, you know, is the Maverick team different had Danny Green actually signed here? I think the answer is yes. It's just I've been frustrated with how linear they've approached it. So the reasons against it would be you have to figure out what to do with KP almost immediately. And if you decide to move on from KP, that largely means taking a loss on the on the trade. And if you hold on to KP, then you're basically playing with fire that he's not going to get hurt again. And, you know, information over time or uh, uh, injuries over time 
it's just it's likely he gets hurt again. He is a massive human being playing basketball and doing things that the human body may not necessarily be built for in his in his circumstance. So like those things just sort of loom large. But I mean, I think by and large, you know, removing Cuban from the equation, it's a very positive uh, situation. Also, another thing, um, I think Rick is a great coach and uh, I'm grateful for the time that he spent here. But I've also kind of been thinking lately, um, and I think this has to do with Mosley a lot, is if they hire Mosley, a guy that, from what I can tell, seems to be pretty popular with the players around the league and definitely popular with the players on the Mavs, does that make free agents want to come here more, uh, more so than playing for Rick Carlisle, who was very respected but also kind of well-known as an asshole? About Luca, I don't know. Because, obviously, so some of what Donnie had to say, if we peel back the onion and, and we hear Donnie for what he had to say rather than how he said it, getting the ball out of Luca's hands so he doesn't have to have a 35% usage rate is likely good for the Mavs. It just is. Getting Luca off ball is is likely good for the Mavs. Um, they have to find a f- like free agents that give Luca confidence to do that. For two straight years, the Mavericks have brought in guards who were supposed to be able to take some of that responsibility away. Neither Wright nor Richardson could do any sort of actual. Um, offensive like offense running i mean right i don't know what Wright's deal was he turned back into a good player when he left i think carl just shot his confidence at, like in that opening game um he tends to Richard, do that sometimes yeah you know, he does he really really does it's it's just true i mean gosh darren collison was a functional nba player and i think rick like broke him um it just Tyrell sometimes Terry just disappeared yeah. off the face of the earth yeah there's just a lot of those little things so it's it's I just think if they bring in a guy that's, you know, that's why I was so upset they didn't go after uh, Bogdanovich this last, you know, in that sign and trade because number one, he's Luca's friend, and number two, we see how he's playing on the Hawks, and I think he would have fit. It's just another one of those things where the Mavericks weren't interested for whatever reason or weren't in on the thing. I don't know. We don't know why. As we know now, there were apparently two GMs, so things were a little bit goofy. So I don't know. That's kind of where I am. I do think that like for the. For, for guys that are looking to, you know, like one-year guys that are looking to boost their their own stock, playing with Luka is going to be a good thing. Like, Luka has made Dorian Finney-Smith a, a fringe rotation player to a, you know, starter, depending on what your roster situation is. Like, Luka's just going to be a guy who elevates people. He's that good of a player. All right. And last question I have for you, Kurt. Uh, realistically, um I've been watching a lot of John Collins, you know, because the Hawks are in the playoffs still. And, you know, also Lonzo. If the Mavs throw a lot of money at those guys, do you think it's realistic that they would consider signing here? Or do you think that the Pelicans and the Hawks are going to be sure to match those contracts and those guys aren't going anywhere? I think the Hawks will match whatever. The Hawks have a squad and are only, you know, just, just internal development like by itself, uh, they're going to be really good. Um, gosh, what's the guy? The guy with the knee injury who went to UVA, drafted fifth. Who's uh, with the Hawks? What's his name? Um, why is this leaving my brain right now? Carter? No, um, I can't remember. Gosh, the, he's the big guy. Uh, Hunter. Hunter is incredible. 
Hunter would is just like he's Luca's ideal like running mate. He's just he's a big, rangy, strong defender who developed his offense between you know year one and year two, and it's just like he really worked. Like I just I really love the Hawks roster build. Um, I, I I sort of think Milwaukee like like bulldozes them if they make the finals, but we'll see. Um, I just still like the Hawks, but that that's just where my head is at the moment. Thanks guys for in the chat. I'm a moron. Um, I just can't remember names sometimes. Um, well, thank you very much, Mr. Hunter. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. All right, Mr. Thornton. How are you, John? Hey, Kirk. How's it going? It's going. Is this the first time you've joined us here? I don't remember seeing you in here before. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been listening, uh, to a bunch in a long time. Oh, yeah. MM, MMB reader, uh, you know, yeah, go way back. Um, here's a, here's a fun thing to do. Go back and read, uh, and I did this this week, read Mark Cuban's uh, Cuban's blog post that he wrote about why he broke up the 2011 team. Do you remember this? Do you, like, I do, but like, you're, but, so you want me to go get upset. That's your, <laughs> that's your... <laughs> well, it, <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it makes, it makes some sense, uh, like, I mean, you've pointed out that they had like this very linear strategy, and like that they followed it through, and it it, it makes some sense. It's not great. I mean, it sucks. I'd forgotten that the lockout happened. Like that, he was worried about a lockout and like re-signing an aging team. Um, well, what and, what the Mavs screwed up on almost immediately was assuming that they knew the salary cap and no one else did. And what has been proven time and time again is that salary cap space can be created if you have some creativity and whatever was going on with them, the Mavericks have always tried to create space and it's either been at the wrong time with the wrong free agent and the wrong situation. It's just been 10 years of it. And, and I, 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 I think their process logically was sound. It's just, they keep trying it. This is a very, like everything has been a variation on plan powder, They've done it three times now. Like 2016, when they ended up with Harrison Barnes with some of the guys they were going for, like I was looking through some old Mavs Moneyball posts. We were pining for Hassan Whiteside. That's how dark it was, people. (laughs) It's just like these guys had failed us, and we didn't know how to process it because they had brought us a championship in the previous five years. So I – their process, I, I still think we have a, a contributor, Xavier, who, who really beats us in the, the Mavs Moneyball Slack, where he's like, the process is good. And I keep saying, like, look, when I screw something up in my household and I try to tell my wife that the process was good, she doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if you followed the rules and the rules led you to this, uh, what good were the rules, right? No mm-hmm. country for old. Like, that – uh, but I like in rereading that the the thing that they did that they like didn't understand was that they did so at the expense of of signing good player just good players, um, and that's where we're at. There's no like there's Luca and then there's everybody who's not very good. Um, the other thing I've thought a lot about is that the two biggest moves the Mavs have made in the off seasons since 2011 were Chandler Parsons. And Porzingis, and I haven't heard anybody in all of this, like, looking back over the last 10 years, and I, you know, I read MMB every day, follow Cato, the Locked On guys, like, all of that. Like, that Chandler Parsons signing was pretty savvy, right? Like, and it 
and it kind of it almost kind of worked and then his knees exploded yeah he was he was just turning a corner when his knee exploded it was 10 games left in the season right and it and it looked like it could have worked because it was like oh okay here's a young guy that can do a lot of things that like people might be excited to come play with Dirk and Parsons like that's actually like Dirk still at his not peak but coming off his peak plus Parsons coming into it like you could see that being the kind of transition thing and then the Rondo trade and then Parsons getting hurt and then the same thing with Porzingis it's like they made this move for a guy uh and basically banked on his health and it just didn't work and like I don't know. It, it, I, I'm not trying to like defend. It sounds like all the dysfunction between Cube and Carlisle and Donnie like had that it wasn't going to work. And I actually, of the three, I wish Cuban would be the one to leave. But that's, <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not going to happen because I, I, I like. I think uh, Carlisle's very good at coaching. I think Donnie's pretty good at being a GM, and Cuban just has a lot of money. Uh, but I don't know. It, it's it still feels weird. I also think that they were just stuck and something needed to change. And I, I don't know. Do, I, how do you feel about this? This is something I've been thinking about. Is that One of the things Carlisle is not very good at is, well, he's not good at developing players. He's also not very good at coaching um, kind of the Josh Richardsons and the DeLon Wrights. Guy, he's very good at point guards, uh, like shooting big men and rim rolling big men. And that's about it. Right, like those are those are kind of the three types of player, like guys like Richardson that are kind of good at a handful of things. Don't generally like don't seem to succeed. Um, it's why he'd play those like three four guard lineup in in Carlisle's system or philosophy, and that's I don't know if that's a knock because it means he gets the best out of a Brandon Wright, but it also means like a Josh Richardson doesn't really know where to fit. This is a very specific qualm, but I think the guys that he's struggled with recently, or rather the guys who have struggled with him, all have terrible ball handling skills. Yeah. Terrible. Like, DeLon Wright, like, he's a, he's a very interesting player when he gets ahead of steam and really can get a feel for the game. Same with Richardson to a degree, but it's like you're, those guys are going to need, like, like, you have to be sort of decisive. you got to take three dribbles and do something with it. And Richardson, I think he forgets which hand he dribbles with. And then look, like, right last year would, like, just dribble, 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 never go anywhere, never do anything. And it's, like, those sorts of guys, I think, just sort of, like, the lack of decisiveness to a degree was were really painful. It's, like, Carl likes guys that almost want to shoot first. Like, that's why the Mike James thing will never, it, it just sticks in my craw <laughs> to the end of time. Because, like, Mike James is like, I'll shoot. I'll shoot every time. <laughs> <laughs> the Mike James era, that was that was a brutal uh <laughs> that was awful. Um yeah, yeah. and so I I don't know. I think Carlisle was a little stuck in his ways. Um that that also didn't allow for like like when was the who was the last good like three or four off the bench for the Mavs? It feels like every every guy that's in the that's not a start. Like every guy off the bench is either a big or a tiny point guard. I mean, realistically, the answer to this question should be Dorian Finney-Smith, but right. he and Maxi both like worked their way into the starting lineups out of necessity more than anything else. Um, 
I don't know. That's a yeah. good and, and question. I, like, I, I, lo- I love Rick Carlisle so much, and I wish they could have made it work. But I also think he, between his, the way he just made it, he, yeah, he had no time. Oh, Aminu. Turn- the chat says Aminu and Vince Carter. Those are good names. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's Sorry. right. Good and, to interrupt. Um, no, no, that's, and that's totally, and like, neither of those guys, uh, I mean, Vince Carter was like one of the most, at that point, one of the most disciplined, like he knew exactly how to play. Right. And Aminu, they just basically said, don't do things like you can't do this. You can't do that. And like fit them in, in that way. Um, And it just seems like the way the league has changed now is like, you need a handful of guys like a Josh green. Like you have to develop a Josh green or someone like with that, that, but that's going to make mistakes, but they can do a lot of different things. And I don't think Carlisle was going to do as, as much as it pains me to say, I don't think he was going to do that. And, and it, it's, it probably was time to move on. I wish it, I wish it wasn't. Cause I just, I like him a lot. And I think he and Luca could have, I think they all could have figured it out, but, it, but obviously not. And yeah, it it's kind of a bummer looking at the last 10 years, but as you've pointed out, they did the hard thing. They got Luca. They did the hardest thing there is to do, which is get a top level talent. And I mean, we could be talking about like year five of Dennis Smith jr. Right now. Dear like God. That. I thought about, yeah. Oh yeah. That was Dennis Smith was another guy that I thought about in this. That's like, is he's pretty, he's okay at like a handful of things, but not, not really good at like one specific thing, which you need or really good at like a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. And, and that's, that's where the league is, is you need versatile players and they didn't sign, they didn't get any, didn't develop any. And Carlisle is kind of reticent to develop them. And yeah. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for hanging out, John. I hope you come back. Yeah, man. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I'm a big, big fan. Uh, you've been doing great on these. I've really enjoyed it. Hey, everybody. I I, I appreciate that, John. You have a, uh, a good night. All right, man. Um, all right. Coming up next, just everybody remember, I'm just some dude from Virginia. Don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, coming up next is Steven. Steven, how you doing? Awesome. Can you hear me? Awesome. Cool. See if we can collect these gems like infinity stones or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I just have two questions and then I'll hand the mic back. But one question I have is uh, I'm just, a, I would honestly be shocked if Jamal Mosley is not named head coach. But one thing that I'm really curious to think I'm thinking about is like, just Ari for next season is I, Kirk, I want to know like, what's your expectations of like, uh, writing the ship in terms of like the the cards the Mavs were dealt with in terms of their draft picks from last season because I thought it was really enlightening of just like you know the mishaps of like did they wanted Sadiq, some scouts wanted Sadiq Bay or Bain and we you know uh, Mavs ended up with Josh Green, uh, Tyrell Terry and then trading for the pick that would end up being Tyler Bay and one thing I'm thinking about is like I guess one of the advantages that no one's really talking about is like if Jamal Mosley is able to uh, accept that position. It's just maybe it, he already knows like how to unlock the, the like the defensive tenacity of Josh Green and Tyler Bay. I don't know what the relegation of power in, in play it was when Carlisle was still around, where he was like, "Hey, 
you know, what if we put him in this matchup or put him in this game and then Carlisle just didn't trust it? And so I'm wondering, like, if he's head coach and because a lot of players acknowledge that he's a really good X and O guy, maybe he knows how he can unlock Tyler Bay or Josh Green. And but also maybe he's he knows how to plug in Tyrell Terry so that we can actually step up into that Seth Curry role that we really missed. Because one analogy I really liked about last last season was I kind of always thought of like Luca as a cowboy and he had two six shooters on his side where it's like Tim Hardaway and Seth. And he knows like if one jams up, then he's like, oh, well, if like if Tim's cold, I don't have to worry about it because I know I have Seth. That's hot. Sure, right just some shooting. I don't know how many right. games. Yeah, I don't know how many games there were last season where it's like both Tim and Seth were cold. I don't know how often that happened, but it seemed pretty rare. And um, and I also want to know. So I guess like, what's what are your expectations of like we can turn this around in terms of like their development, or is the bar so low where it's like if any one of them can average like ten minutes a night, then that's a start. Um, because I'm just assuming with Carlisle gone, we'll expect to see at least more yeah. minutes from Josh Green, at least. But also, I want to know, like, in terms of like who they get for GM, um, I'm really hoping they turn over a new leaf and they actually start to be more dedicated to the draft. <laughs> you and me both, because one, yeah. So, because one reason I'm thinking about is like, I've always been uh, a huge component of like build use the draft to build your team, not just in terms of like having a solid foundation that you can build on that we've seen with it work with the Phoenix Suns and now I guess the Atlanta Hawks, but also when Lucas signs that max contract or when you know you have to give more money to say like Tim Hardaway or if they bring someone else through sign and trade or just a straight up free agency, then at least you can, with your later picks, maybe you're able to find like that rebounder, that shooter, and, but on the cheap. So it's yep. like, even though you know they won't be like stars, you have um, cheap role players that you know, like, it. you have still cap flexibility. So I'm just sure. wondering, I'm still kind of like, I, I really want to know, like, what your interests are, like, just what are your expectations for the rookies, or I guess you could say the second year guys with mm-hmm. Green, Terry, and Bay. And like, what do you think would be like a success for? Like, maybe you want one of them. Like, if Green it becomes, like, a 25-minute guy or, like, also maybe two or three of them do you see, like, some uh, reliable minutes. I, they got to do something with them because otherwise they're they're not even remotely, like, considered as assets in any way, shape, or form. Um, I have a little bit of an alternate take on what happened this season. So when everybody got COVID and Rick had to play everyone, that was when the team got down to like that, that eight and 14 ish, like they were five or six games under 500. And then in February, they had to grind back to relevance. And during that time, that was also when KP looked terrible. That was when I started at like late January, early February, when it wasn't really fair of me because of the COVID stuff. But that was when I really started like just being out on KP because he either wasn't or couldn't move. And the, all those things put together, Carl was sort of forced to play a seven and a half person uh, uh, rotation to get things under control. And then when there were opportunities to play the younger guys in March and April, he just didn't take it. That's where I really think he's, he screwed up in retrospect. 
Um, I expect all these guys to get more minutes. You know, keep a close eye on Summer League. I suspect all these guys play, uh, including uh, the guy out of Houston, um, Hinton. And Summer League is fun in that if a guy plays bad, it it's largely concerning. If a guy plays good, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't mean much. Uh, there's not a ton of positives to take, other than we can see these guys play some. Green, I have real concerns about. I mean, he did not look good in the G League games that he played in. He did a, like a whole bunch of running around and a whole bunch of nothing. I don't know how to feel about his basketball skills, but I also think if he's the fifth worst guy on the floor, if he can go out and be a chaotic good, which he was during aspects of late in the season, I would like more of that. No feelings on the other two, to be quite honest. Um, Bay is a small ball five, and the Mavericks don't need a small ball five. Um, at least I don't think they do. Maybe they do. Who knows? If he could figure some things out, you know, his seven foot eleven, like he's a preposterous wingspan. I want to say it's like seven four for a six nine guy. He then then maybe he could be something. I like the the last one. Like I don't have like Terry is. I don't want to don't want to be critis, critical, but. He has an uphill road at his at his uh, height and weight because it's like little guys just get crushed like they get sought out. You know, look what happened to Jalen Brunson against um, like Kawhi. Like he just got like hunt hunted. And that that was very unfortunate. Um, As to your uh, like kind of the question about like your 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 hopes for if this team could like turn it around in terms of start paying attention to the draft. I think that's something that has to happen. But it's worth reading if if you go, you know, our, our guy Matt, Matthew in the chat, Mavs Moneyball contributor, wrote a long piece on Donnie Nelson's uh, kind of, you know, just tenure as the Mavs. And I'm just going to read part of his article real quick. This is, in retrospect, has to be when Donnie decided he didn't care about the draft anymore. The 1999-2000 Dallas Mavericks were 40-42 and 42 with the seventh-rated offense in the league. Michael Finley appeared in all 82 games, playing 42.2 minutes a game. Dirk Nowitzki was averaging about 17 and a half, uh, playing as a small forward. And then he, he it, and this is what the Mavs did in the 99-2000 draft. They had the 12th pick and chose Eaton Thomas, a bruising power forward from Syracuse, who they believed they could per, or that would protect Dirk. The Mavericks then traded for the next pick and selected Courtney Alexander, a polished 6-5 scorer who they believed could complement Finley on the wing. Then they traded for another first-rounder and selected Donnell Harvey. Harvey was an athletic power forward who had only played one season with Florida. He was projected to be an elite rebounder. The Mavericks also swung another trade for the 38th pick, which they used to select fan favorite Eduardo Nahara. Well, as I, you know, Nahara was the only Maverick who played really significant minutes. And as Matthews pointed out, that might have been when Donnie was like, I'm not doing this draft stuff anymore because he used all his draft, all a ton of capital in the worst draft of like 25 years. It was terrible. Anyways, that I do think they, they figure something out and, and kind of turn back towards the draft because it's not unlike the NFL draft where you just have to have guys like guys that are contributing on, on lower con on cheaper contracts. And the Mavericks have been good at these reclamation projects, but, you know, the ones that they've been best with, they end up letting the guy go away, like uh, um, Aminu, for example. So that that's sort of where I am with these things. Those are good questions. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Yeah, I am too. Um, if not, then at least I hope they get to a certain point to where they at least increase their trade value to a certain extent. Because right now, that's probably at an absolute zero. Mm. And at the most, they would just be like smoothing over to make sure the money stays even but yeah um 
yeah, hopefully whoever's in charge is able to write the ship with that and at least you know we can see some production or yep. development so yeah thanks for your thanks for your time kirk uh, again uh, fan of moneyball and fan of these and uh yeah keep doing you thanks Stephen. all right coming up next lou who's been waiting patiently forever lou how are you hit that unmute button there in the bottom of the screen no not yet all right, Brandon, while Lou figures out the muting, why don't you hit unmute uh, and tell us what you got? Hey, Kirk, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. So uh, I had a couple things before I actually got into what I wanted to talk about. So I'm curious, do you feel that, because um, Luca played uh, the other day and got had like 17 assists or whatever, which was like hyper rare in the EuroLeague, do you think that's any um, any like make a point that he does get his teammates involved that he is mature. I mean, maybe how many times did we see this year? Like Luca, like have like 25 potential assists. Oh and my then God. Have, you know, like the, the bottom line is this is where it came back for me where it's like, Oh, what if the Mavericks had better players? And so you, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not to kill the guys that they did. It's like Dorian Finney Smith on a hot streak at one point, but it's just, you know, you're feeding out to Richardson at 33%. I mean, the dude, if I posted a video in the chat way back, the American slash Slovenian player uh, who's a UVA grad who played Luca talks talks about this after game. He's like, that was the easiest buckets I've, easiest looks I've ever gotten playing basketball. And <laughs> it's just it's like, that's what's going to happen. That's the selling point. You know, if Luca if Luca loses a little bit of weight and reestablishes some of his second year quickness, um, I think he's going to be terrifying. And and you know the the open looks that he's he can get for guys. It, it LeBron's about the only other dude who could do it. Giannis was actually really really good at this kicking out to open shooters because he just forces a total collapse of the defense. And that's you know there, there's there's something there. I don't think it was done on purpose about that because it's just you know he makes the right basketball play um so that, that's you know i i I've, I've confidence in him right i know i i just that just crossed my mind whenever i saw that stat line um that comment from donnie uh and then next the every, every time reggie jackson swishes a three in these playoffs all i see is that the Mavs are going to sign him to like a 20 million dollar contract I'm horrified. and he's going to be the reggie jackson that we all love know and love from I mean Detroit, he's Reggie Jackson thought he was the best player on the Oklahoma City Thunder team that had two MVPs <laughs> in the locker room. Like, there's something to be said for unwavering confidence in yourself. And second, like his look at the moment with the rec specs and the thing, like he looks like an old school YMCA player. And like, I could just see him and Luca. You know what's it's the it's the handshake scene from the Predator, um, where it's like just two hyper confident dudes playing together. Am I talk, trying to talk myself into this because it's so horrifying that I don't know how to process it? Yes, yes, that is exactly <laughs> exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very scared. But I'm, hey, maybe with a new GM, we won't make a stupid move like that. Uh, on to my real thing. I was actually going to ask about Miles Turner, but I actually kind of want to continue this um, conversation about the rookies because I'm a big, I guess, proponent. I think that our biggest if we're going to take a step forward next year, it's mainly going to be from the guys that are already on the roster. You sure. mentioned like Luca getting in the best shape of his life, KP getting 
back to something relatively healthy and, you know, not awful on defense. Maybe some Brunson like improving as a passer. But I think Josh Green, I feel like it's almost imperative that he has to be able to competent, competently play like at least 20 minutes a night because, I mean, obviously we know we don't have many other options on the wing um, to, you know, guard anybody. And he seems like he's at least capable of that if he can maybe get under control a little bit and not foul everything. Um, and then I, I, I don't know. I'm sometimes an optimist. I feel like he will take a bit of a leap because, I mean, if you just take a look at his timeline, because he went to college and then that was a shortened season because of COVID. And then he's off of basketball for like eight months. No, like organized anything. He comes in, gets drafted, and like two weeks later, there's like a week or two of training camp, three preseason games, and then boom, yep. it's the regular season. And I thought he looked a lot better, even if the shot didn't. I thought he looked a lot better just like as a basketball player and knowing what to do on a basketball court um, by the end of the season. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what he can do, like you said, with the summer league, with an actual training camp, with preseason. Because um, I, I feel like we're going to need him like at least 20 minutes a night and to actually be – be functional in the playoffs. Well, the the Mavs need to for for summer league. They have to make sure they have a competent point guard. Um, nobody get upset about this, but Campaign was the Mavericks point guard when I last time I went, and he's doing okay uh, now with the Suns leading them to uh, a, you know a, a win today. Um, point guards really are just pretty important for getting like like the the. Um, just getting people involved. I've been to summer league like eight times in a row now, and sometimes Dallas has these guys. Gosh, was John Dentman? Gosh, they've had a number of just absolute gunners for point guards over the years, and then it makes things it makes it impossible to tell how they can play with actual guards uh, or with actual you know players because it's like if if Josh Green is not getting set up correctly, it's hard to really judge him because it's not like he's going to bring up the ball and initiate the offense and stuff like that. So that'll be something that they watch for, which is, again, why um, uh, our man Tyrell Terry will, will hopefully be, be pretty important because he seems to be like an honest-to-goodness point guard. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. This is, this is a, big, a big summer for development and for opportunity. And, you know, it's not going to be a worldwide pandemic next year, hopefully. Hopefully we don't get a new one of those. <laughs> that wasn't any fun. Um, and, and, you know, then we can have a little bit better of a schedule, more practice time. Uh, there wasn't any practice time. That was a key part, exactly what you said about these guys coming in with no opportunity or no opportunity to really get their feet wet. So we'll see. I mean, there's still a lot, like, I liked what I saw from Josh Green towards the end of the season. I mean, his, I, I, I don't know how to, he's, I don't know how to feel about his offense, but. I just love how hard he plays relative to, you know, a lot of the Mavericks are just so stand aroundy because Luka dominates the ball and he was, uh, he was, he was chaos. And I, I got a, got a kick out of it by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, his, um, I think Zach Lowe even mentioned this, uh, just kind of feel for the game and being able to see both the simple like passes that nobody else aside from Luka on this team sees the wide open player, but also, kind of seeing the next move ahead. Um, obviously, I would not expect him to ever run like any pick and roll next season. But, I mean, he, he's a guy who can keep the ball moving for sure. And I think if you can inject that, um, you know, if we get this playmaker that we 
are hoping for this offseason, the secondary playmaker. And I think if you get lineups with Luka, that secondary playmaker, and Josh Green, I think there's going to be a lot more ball movement and a lot more open shots. So, um, yeah, I mean, just like I said, big offseason for him. And Tyler Bay, too, who I'm I am very much on Bay Island. I was big time before the draft, so I'm hoping he actually gets some burn this year. We'll see. I bet he'll get something going on. Um, all right, Brandon, thank you very much. Do you got anything else? No, thanks for having me, Kurt. All right, have a good one. All right, last but not least, because i got to get out of here, friend of the show, Matt Phillips. How you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm good. Uh, and- by the way, for, for that piece, I couldn't find the quote, so I didn't use them, but I distinctly remember at some point the Mavs saying that Donnell Harvey, if a ball had gone up for a rebound when they got it, that Donnell Harvey would have gotten the rebound over everyone else in the draft. Um, you remember a 21-year-old draft quote. That's that's really good. <laughs> yeah, I have a super rant. I remember really random stuff. I understand. It's, just, it's funny. It's like a dude that uh, – it's, it's, that's a great – I really enjoyed that piece. Everybody go seek it out. It's on the front page of MavsMoneyBall.com. Uh, thank you for the plug there. Um, so one of the other things, I'm actually more scared about KP now after watching the playoffs because as I look at it, we have – like centers have to fill one of three roles, the centers that can play in the playoffs, which is either one, they have to be the elite, elite offensive option that punishes teams for switching, which is Jokic and Embiid, which KP is not that guy because people are obviously extremely comfortable switching wings onto him. They have to be the switchable rim protector type guy that can do both defend and switch, which is hopefully going to be your Capella type, or they have to be somebody who can defend one of the primary post scorer types. So like somebody who can defend Jokic or Embiid. And KP is really not any of those things. And so really, if we look at it, all of the other centers that can't do any of those things can't play in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I, I am less negative on KP than you are, but like watching this and going through that and thinking about it, I'm just like, oh, that's, that's not great uh, going cool. forward. I mean, but it's less about KP. Like, and you watch these playoffs – and what happens the further you get in the playoffs, your weaknesses become gaping flesh wounds that cannot be patched. And it's like, you know, Ben Simmons, who is a small ball five playing point guard, is just so weird for huge chunks of games. He has KP's same problem where they just can't figure out what to do with him. And and this, you know, the Clippers are easily the most multiple, this is a football terminology, but they're, they're the most multiple of all the remaining playoff teams where they just, they can play five dudes, six, five to six, nine and cause matchup problems left and right. And with the way the rules are right now, that's the best way to win games. It just is. I mean, the, the Hawks can do a variation of that from time to time because, you know, John Collins, who is supposed to be six, nine though. I don't know if I believe that. Is you know they, they just can do all these interesting things, and the Mavericks, you know, we saw this by the end of the playoffs. You know, like starting Boban, whether that was you know Harald Bob or or Carlisle's call, it was a move of pure desperation because there just wasn't anybody on the roster who could play basketball. And and I just I don't know what they do. Like I, I feel bad for KP because the game seems to have changed within a season of him being a huge component to the Mavericks like record breaking offense. Yeah, I mean, there's that, and, like, when you're talking about not having players, so, like, you talk about Xavier's point, 
and the point that I so, so incorrectly made in the Slack that the draft wasn't that bad. Um, <laughs> in, any, any individual failure can be explained. Like, hey, we didn't sign this guy. Hey, we didn't draft this guy. Like, missing on a, on a late 20s or mid-20s pick in the draft is fine. Like, it happens. The problem is, is that we've never hit on anything. Like, it's not that we failed once. It's not like, yes, this one failure is understandable. But the aggregate complete failure of all of them, every now and then you have to hit on one of those picks. And I'm not saying that you have to hit on them to the point of, I know Jokic was a second-round pick and the lowest ever one MVP. I'm not saying you need to hit on that. But you have to get useful basketball players, like guys that can play actual minutes. And we just haven't. And the winner's curse is a real thing. I mentioned that in the deal. But um, it's anybody that is not a max contract or a reclamation project veteran is almost always going to be able to be argued that they're overpaid in free agency. Sure. Just because if they weren't, then somebody else would have paid them more. Right. They that wouldn't have been a free agent. So if that's the case and you're not going to draft people and you're going to say go with the money ball approach of we're not going to pay people, we're not going to overpay anyone – then you're just not going to acquire any talent. And then when you don't acquire talent, you can't do the other avenue that we do, which is trades, because you don't have anybody anybody wants. Yeah. Like, I, that's, that's to me, is what our biggest issue is, is because if you look back when we used to be a really big trading team early in Cuban's career, like because we made just a ton of trades. All the time. The mid- but what it is is we had, like, guys might have been overpaid, but we had talented players. Like, we had mm-hmm. actual good NBA players. They were overpaid, but we had good players. Now, if you look at it, like, no other team in the league wants – I mean, I like Josh Green. I'm still hopeful for him. But nobody else in the league is going to be like, hey, yeah, y'all couldn't play him for 10 minutes a game, so and he shot 16%, so we don't want him. And, like, the margin for error is so hot – like – it's weird because it's so low because you don't want to lose Luca and you don't want to run him off, but it's so high because of how good Luca is. Yeah. And like we are legitimately having signed campaign over Trey Burke away from being in the conference finals right now. That's that a fire take. I enjoy it. I enjoy this. Yeah, I mean that's where it just becomes such an issue because there's something at play here where you know, and you see Brad Townsend uh, arguing with people online about this, and it's just, would this have all happened if the Mavericks would have won in Game 7 or Game 3? I sort of still think so. Because I, they were winning in spite of the the personnel, not because of it. Like, games so. 1 and 2, they won on shooting. Right? Yeah. We talked about I, this. I, yeah, I definitely think it still would have happened because, I mean, really the only thing that, I mean, it's still there is Luka is incredibly awesome, and this may be a hot take, it may not be. I think for at least one playoff series before he runs down, Luka is the player you most want in the NBA right now. For Now, he may not be able to keep it up for 16 games, I don't know, For I mean, for a whole playoff run for 20 however many games in the condensed schedule, but for one playoff series right now, Luka is the number one player in the NBA that I would want. And that's not just me. Like, there's been a couple of other national people that have said that. Uh, I know David Fitzdale said it, too. Um, one, moving on a little bit from that, one of the other things that I'm hopeful for, and I love Rick. I'm sad that Rick is gone. I am hopeful that whoever we take next as a coach does not just throw away so many regular season games. 
because this was mentioned in the Slack somewhere that, you know, we've we've lost in the first round, but we've lost to teams that have played in the Western Conference Finals and or won the title. If we are better in the regular season, we can play worse teams early in the playoffs. And <laughs> Right. I mean, like, this is all super simplistic logic, but if we move up, like, we could be – I mean, we would have been first seed, which obviously we weren't there, and no amount of not throwing away games was going to do that. But, like, we could beat the Grizzlies. We could beat – I mean, they're different. I think we would have beat Memphis. We can, I mean, I think we would have beat Denver. Like, there are different teams that we could beat, but we are always lower seeded than we should be because we just throw away games. And that is one thing that I'm hopeful will change with a different coach. Well, I mean, that's got, that, that was not just coaching. That feels like a top to bottom, just, you know, between uh, trainer, between coach, between front office. I mean, it's such a grind of a season. You understand, like, why they did it on paper. But then they still played Luka a ton. Luka did not get any rest down the stretch. Um, I, I, well, that, I don't know. That Next season's going to be so different. And they ground Maxi and Dorian just into dust. Oh, yeah. Like, that well, that's why is, Maxi was so bad for the playoffs, because he was just toast. Like, it never made sense that when we're sitting, like, if you're going to sit, and I'm, I know you've talked about this before, but if you're going to sit Luka and KP, which is essentially throwing a game, like, if you say we're sitting Luka and KP in the same game, I don't care who you're playing, you are completely fine with losing that game. Like, that is, I don't care what they say about we our whatever tells us this, you are completely fine with losing that game. And then to play Dorian 42 minutes and Maxi 37 or something like that in those games, it's just, it's foolish because you don't even really end up with rest games because then when Luke and KP come back, they have to just chew up so much stuff. And also speaking about chewing stuff up. So when we, uh, when y'all were talking about Wright and Richardson earlier, one of the major differences that has led to the spike in offensive production is that teams don't just throw away offensive possessions anymore. Like mm-hmm. teams are much more comfortable in the regular season, spamming their best plays like you do in the playoffs. And so, like, you don't get the old, like, Kendrick Perkins post-ups on the first two possessions or Ben Wallace. And so what happens to the Mavs is is even when we want to give Wright and Richardson guys the ball, after two or three possessions where they dribble around for a while, the coaching staff just looks at it and it's like, "Mm, if we're going to dribble around for a while, just give it back to Luka and have him do it. And so that, that really hurts those guys that they need the ball, they need to have the feel for forever. Whoever the other attacking guard is, they have to be super dynamic. Yeah. Like, I want another guard with him, but they have to be able to, A, shoot the ball immediately if they catch it, and or go immediately. Like, they can run the offense some, they can run some pick and rolls, but it can't be, you know, I'm going to dribble at the top of the key for nine seconds, because when we want to run that offense, we run it with Luka. Yep. No, good point. Well, thanks for hanging out, Matt. That's pretty much it. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. I lied. I have one more person. Chris, what's going on? Oh, good. Uh, I joined the room and I left real quick. I'm just, uh, just, uh, I have a question about Luca's extension. Like everybody else wondering, when is he going to sign it? Is he eligible to sign it right now? Or is this something that he's going to wait till, you know, after the Slovenian tournament with the, with, uh, with the EuroLeague FIBA or whatever it is? I don't think he's eligible to sign it until it has something to do with league calendar year. Um, where it's like, it's like their business year. If, uh, you know, my business goes like, like falls the calendar year, like January 1st to December 31st, but the league's calendar year is something like 
it's something in July to, to end of June. And I feel like that has to be part of it. That's and what that's, I was thinking too. Yeah. 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 It's, it's something, it's paperwork it, it, more than anything. So, it's just, but I mean, it's just annoying to see, uh, I was commenting on the Mavs Moneyball page, just how annoying it's only the Knicks and the Lakers. I see their outlets are just like, of course they're going to stir the pot to get clicks and all, but you know, all these proposed trade ideas to have him go to the Knicks or the Lakers and top notch. We got like, we all got to steal ourselves and get used to it. Um, it's going to be, <laughs> it's just, I mean, I saw one today on a Lakers fan page where it's like how to get Russell Westbrook to join LeBron and Anthony Davis. And it's like, guys, the math doesn't work. You yeah. cannot have three supermax players on the same team like that. Uh, it's whatever, <laughs> but it, it, it's just kind of the deal. Um, I, I do expect it. It'll be relatively soon. It'll be relatively straightforward. Tim McMahon mapped out what he thinks the terms will be, where it'll be, you know, an extension with a player option at the end. And so if you consider it that way, it is not so much, it's not, a, is it a five-year? I get the math wrong on this. I don't want to say anything incorrect, but it adds. Five-year, 201 million, I think. So. Yeah, which if it's a player option, in that case, you could consider it a four-year option, um, which part of it there's like a math issue where it's if the if the nba signs a new tv contract it actually is behooves uh, any nba player to get back into the market and get a new deal if if they do sign a new tv deal because some of the early estimates i've seen for for tv money you know despite the fact that the ratings are all over the board are like double (laughs) yeah so i I was wondering what side maybe a two or three year extension and then get into that market and, you know, yeah. sign a much, oh, wow, it's just crazy. But just explaining to my friends, you know, of course, you're going to have, you're a Mavs fan, you're going to have your other fans trolling you, like, oh, he's leaving, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he's only been in the league for three years, took the Mavs to the playoffs twice. Yep. They're already doing changes in the front office. I mean, he's not going to be, like, hardened and just going to keep the sign of Supermax extension and then a year in and be like, I'm not just going to show up, just not show up and then, force a trade I, he's just not he's not that type of player i don't see him being like that yeah, I, mean, so, I don't know well at least not now and i'm not it's not really even worth worrying about so right i well, yeah. how about this i worry about it constantly but i worry about it like as an <laughs> existential problem not as like as an, an immediate problem like luca leaving is up there with like global warming you know, it's like, what do you do about these things? And it's like, I can't affect it. I'm just going to do my part by being a happy, happy asshole on the, on the internet. Just, just lastly, I think it's, it's just ever since LeBron did his thing 10 years ago with the Heat, ever since then, it's just always the next storyline. Who's who's up next that they're going to leave and this and that? Because I don't remember as a fan it being that big of a deal like before then, you know. Uh, it's, just, it's just a quick t- turnover, this whole league and all. But I think, you know, obviously Luke is going to stay where he's at. Ch- changes are ahead, you know. I, we're, I think we're all going to be good. So they'll find the right coach. They'll find the right GM. I think it, things are going to be good. We'll just got to keep keep it positive, you know. I mean, we got Luca still, so that's all that matters. That's, that's, yeah, start from there. I struggle with keeping it positive, but I think that's good <laughs> advice because, uh, you know, there's not no, really I love this group therapy. In- it does help. This gr- the group therapy after those losing games, it does help. Back here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, I appreciate guys. You come on, I appreciate it. Of course, Chris. Thanks as always. I'm going to get on out of here. Our schedule for the week will probably be somewhat news dependent. Uh, we got a new author who wrote an enormously long piece that's going to go up Tuesday that I think you guys will like, kind of breaking down 
the Mavs roster from a positional like personnel standpoint, not necessarily like going through each person and looking at what they need to do to improve in the off season. Probably have him on a show as well, just to talk about his piece. We'll continue to have player reviews. Uh, is has been doing these kind of like flashbacks, looking back at specific games and like a favorite piece, because somehow he has video from all 72 games plus playoffs. Uh, he's been doing, he was going to try to do like one every day, but I've told him like, he doesn't need to work that hard. It's the off season. Um, you know, we'll be continuing to write news as it happens. I personally am hoping for a slightly slower week. I somehow doubt that will be the case. As news breaks, we'll continue to have pods and potentially locker rooms. I recommend you guys just having fun with this because that's why we watch sports. Um, oh, no, Jim. Jim Andrews. Uh, we'll, we'll bring you up in a couple of days, okay, Jim? Thanks for hanging out. All right, guys. This has been me, uh, MavsMoneyBall.com, et cetera. Y'all are great. Appreciate you. Have a good start to your week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.